This is NBC Sports Bay Area's and Momentum's Jess Kleinschmidt, and you're listening to the Big O Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of the Big O Podcast. I am your host, Julian Ortiz. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope everyone had a safe holidays. Today, I am joined by a very special guest from NBC Sports Bay Area, host of Bok Talk and co-host of Corked Up Podcast with MLB agent Rachel Luba and Oakland A's fanatic, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jess, how are you doing today? I'm good. That was a very drawn out intro, and I, I respect it. <laughs> I, it. It's hard. It's it like was the- like when the under when Undertaker walks down, and you're like, "Come on, dude!" But like, you don't interrupt him, right? You're like, "Let him do his thing," because the guy puts eyeliner on. You need, you know. You you hear the music, and then like you don't see him for like another twenty five seconds. Right, right, right. It's like when I say I'll be five minutes. It's like an Undertaker five minutes. <laughs> I like. Ooh, I like that Undertaker five minutes. I like that. Yes. Um. First and foremost, Happy New Year. Uh, how were Thank your twenty twenty lockdown quarantined holidays? I mean, it was good. This is my first time back at home um, for Christmas in two years. I like never come home for the holidays because people think I'm just baseball and that's it. But I do cover the Warriors and the Niners and everything like that. And obviously, my first year with NBC Sports Bay Area, the Warriors were still good, and <laughs> so that was cool. I got to text my mom from um, the studio while the Warriors were playing, and something for her to adjust to, but it's my first time home. I'm like, I haven't like gone back to the Bay yet. I'm going back this week. So I've been here for like three weeks and my family hasn't been sick of me yet, but that's good. Mom's is, mom's is doing good with the backdrop. I've got some <laughs> stuff. Cubs hat from when my, I played little league. There we and go. I don't even know what that's from, but you know, it's cool. <laughs> that's awesome. We're um, killing it. Now, people around this time of year are busy making their resolutions. Are you a resolution person? I am, but I don't call them resolutions. Um, obviously, working in sports, it's like new, you we all have the resolutions for the A's and the Giants and stuff like that. I do have goals, and I'm very much a driven individual. So I do have the goals and it's just like, keep the bullshit people out of my life. Um, put less expectations on people, not because you shouldn't put expectations on things, but we're all going through some shit. So don't put too much energy and time and, and effort into people. Cause we, we all have our lives to live. And, um, obviously I never want to lose weight because like, that's a shitty thing to put on a woman. Um, I just want to continue healthy. I love working out and I love staying active, but I also love nachos and chicken wings. Like it's like (laughs) going to maintain that. Um, but I have a couple of cool things lined up that I don't want to mention just because I don't want to jinx them. And, Cause I'm a superstitious person that way. Um, and not, I'm not even a little stitious. I'm pretty stitious, like superstitious. So, but yeah, I I've always had goals and, and I love beginnings. So like, I, that's why I'm never worried about starting over and starting a new and like starting a new planner or starting a new journal, I'm a big journaler and everything like that. So I love a new year. It's my favorite holiday is new year's Eve. Cause I get to wear a sparkly dress for like five minutes and then get drunk in sweats later. (laughs) 
That's, so, that sounds like a good time. That sounds like what is else wrong with that? I can tell you what I always like the idea of being a girl, but then I try to be like girly. And I'm like, oh, this fucking blows. And then <laughs> there's a lot of effort go that home. goes into those things, you know? Yeah. Like I like the idea of date night, but then I go out on date night. And I'm like, can we go home now and put sweats on and get drunk there? Because that sounds way better. <laughs> Speaking of date nights. Now, I know that we have a little bit of a time limit because you have a very special virtual date not the first one that you've done during quarantine we've heard on the podcast that you've you know done a few what has that been like in 2020 and trying to get to know someone via webcam i mean that's a great question only because a lot of guys don't want to date me they just want me to follow them on twitter and ask <laughs> me out and ask me about trevor bauer that's like literally it because the moment they were like hey where's trevor gonna go i'm like fucking peace um <laughs> but it's not bad. I mean, I'm used to being on camera and talking into an admin object to do a lot of IG lives. I take a lot of selfies. Like I'm cute. I'm going to take a lot of selfies. It is what it is, but it's so it's, it's not that bad, but um, a lot of times the guys, I mean, we're in the pandemic, so it's difficult, but the guys never want to step up and actually come meet up with me. So okay. it's, it is what it is. Um, and guys are scared of me. So it's just fine. Yeah. That's actually a great segue to like one of the first questions. That That's I a good segue you. that men it, are scared of me. Okay, well, it, com- it comes into the fact that, you know, when women or men are sometimes intimidated by strong women or women. Really? I had no idea. <laughs> Listen, I, have a, I have a very strong minded wife and I have two yes. little girls. So we are pro women and I just take the back seat and I do what I'm supposed to do and, and then job. Keep, keep it moving. But in 2020, which is going to get a bad rep in the history books. There's going to be a giant asterisk next to it. Because and weirdly, it was one of the best years of my career, which is the weirdest thing. But right. yes. And so there were tons of positive things that came out, right? One of the best years of your career. We had some amazing firsts to take place. Alyssa Nakin became the first woman to coach first base in an MLB game for the Giants. Sarah Fuller became the first woman to score in a Power 5 conference football game for Vanderbilt. Becky Hammond was the first woman to serve as a head coach in the NBA. Kim Ng, first GM, not just in baseball, but in any of the big four North American sports leagues. And, and Asian American, too. That's right. That's a rare rarity. And Kamala Harris, first female, first black. Oakland. First South Asian vice president in U.S. history. So as someone who champions the success of other women... How does it make you feel when you hear some of those firsts? I mean, the fact that you kept naming them is is there that's like the most amazing part of it, right? And I feel like I got to I, I want to remind myself that we're still getting started. And you know, when I when I was when I just got started in the industry, I didn't know any women were attainable as far as being a mentor or, you know, talking to. Um, I'm not saying my mentors weren't amazing. I do have a lot of male mentors who really shaped my career, but they never were like, oh, she's good for a girl. She was just good. Now, I, I'm a former baseball player, not softball, baseball. but baseball. And I played baseball until I possibly could and was told, you're going to have to switch to softball because I'm, I'm not going to put you on the team. And believe it or not, back in those days, I didn't have as much Sassitude. Sassitude. Yes. That wasn't much of a sass hole, as I like to say. Um, and I was just like, you're right. But I always like a challenge. I like figuring it out. Right. So I switched to softball. I couldn't hit worth the shit until like five years into my softball career. 
Um, but I was the best defensive player you'll come across. Um, and so I was always used to it. If I fucked up, it was because, oh, girls shouldn't play baseball. But if Cody Croxon playing shortstop messed up, well, you know, he's having an off day and, right. and everything like that. So I think that groomed me to be the person I was only because I was very much like Kim Ang, where you had to be better than the rest of them because what what else can you do, right? So I I just turned that into everything. And, you know, the Jessica Mendoza's of the world, I just remember her watching her play softball and now she follows Corked Up and she's a big Corked Up fan. And that blew me away. And Rachel even told me and I was like, really? Like, okay. And she's Jess has read some of my articles and when she covered the wild card game, she talked about it on on live ESPN. And and that was a really cool full full circle moment for me. And it reminded me that women are supporting women and don't get me wrong. Like I can be a little, I don't want to say jealous. Like obviously one of my best friends is Rachel Luba and she's doing so many amazing things. And it wasn't until I matured and I thought, okay, well, like I shouldn't be jealous of all the things that she's doing. They could be motivation. And, you know, I know I'm never going to have a law degree because I'm literally a college dropout. I fucking right. hate school. So it's just like, she's always going to have a better education than me, but then she'll sometimes tell me like, just like an education's whatever, just a bunch of pieces of paper. And you know, like I don't have any student debt. My future husband's going to be pumped about that, you know? <laughs> so, like and so I just, I've always just trying to maintain my cool, but I never wanted to be treated any differently. And I feel like that's what the main part of being a feminist is. And when you hear the word feminist, you're like, Oh, whatever, but you can be pro women and not be, and without being anti-men, you know, men are majority of who I cover and the athletes are actually my allies. Like I have amazing men in my life who like Taylor Trammell randomly will just randomly stood up for me for no reason over a sexist piece of shit who was being mean to me on Twitter. And Trevor Bauer has my back. And, you know, a lot of these men have my back and Michael Morris is a good friend of mine. And a lot of times they forget that I'm a girl, not from a weird way, but it's like, oh, right. Like y'all have it more difficult. So I want to be treated fairly, but I also, you, we're, we're just, it's, we're cut from a different cloth. It's different. We do have to have, have some grace with us, you know, um, but also treat us fairly. So it's great to see all this stuff happening and, and we're making it the road less bumpy for a lot of people. Um, but they, I can't hold your hand throughout the process. Jess Mendoza didn't, you know, carry me like a baby throughout all of it. And it's also kind of a lot of pressure too. Like I, it doesn't just stop with me. You know, I'm, I have a platform and I have to be careful what I talk to other young women about and, and men look up to me. And I think that's really cool. I, I get text messages from people all the time from men saying that I look up to you and, and that takes a lot. So it's, it's great and it's wonderful. Um, but at the same time, like, I, I work hard and my gender shouldn't matter. 100%. And I mean, I reached out to you because uh, I sent you a, I think it was a clip from a podcast I did with some guys, uh, international scouts for the Toronto Blue Jays, which is where I am right now. And we, two of the three of us have daughters. And so we are, we are like the biggest allies because we see, and I followed you on, on Twitter. I follow you on Instagram and I can see the comments that come in on, I don't even want to say a daily basis, but on a tweet by tweet basis. Mm -hmm. The first five mentions are probably people who love what you're saying or giving some sort of, you know, funny take on it. And then after that, like the Twitter trolls come out and it's infuriating 
to sort of see because when Sarah Fuller was named to Vanderbilt's team and that she was going to be their place kicker, all of the comments were like, I hope she gets like run over. I hope that, you know, she gets injured so they can realize that they shouldn't be on the field with grown men. Or then you have like the sexual comments that I'm not even going to discuss because they're so horrific. I can't imagine what that is like because I'm not exposed to those kinds of things, but I have two young girls who I'm glad have role models such as yourself, Jess Mendoza, Rachel Luba, that are paving the way so that they don't have to experience the same bumps and bruises along the way to achieve whatever they want. Because realistically, by the time they're growing up, they're going to grow up with women being in these positions, having these jobs, and it's going to be something that's normal to them, and it's not going to be the anomaly anymore. And... I love the fact that you guys are using your platform to do amazing things. I also love the fact that you are this person who does not care what she says. If it offends people, you're going to be your authentic you. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that is exactly what is needed for people to be like, listen, she's just a regular person. Greg Popovich said it about Becky Hammond just recently. Her being a woman was irrelevant. And he didn't say that in a bad way. He said she got hired because of her skill, because of her experience. And I hope that it doesn't take many more years where we have to talk about firsts for women doing amazing things. It just becomes the norm. What are your thoughts when it comes to that? Yeah, and and that's interesting because you you feel a lot of people get offended like, oh, why are we making it a big deal because she's the first female GM or whatever? Well, because if it was Jimmy Garoppolo who was the first guy to do to throw 14 interceptions on a Tuesday, that's still a h- historical thing, right? Sure. Yeah. That was a really bad example. <laughs> I'm so poor, sorry, poor Jimmy, Jimmy G. I'm just I just wrote about him recently. I know people are <laughs> wondering about him, but it just that's the shittiest example I could possibly. <laughs> It's what I'm saying is, you know how Sports Center likes to cherry pick little things. For sure, you don't have to cherry pick if you're the first female GM, the first female to do, or the first female whatever. But it's still going to be his- historical, and it's no different if it's the first black man, if it's the first Asian American. Like it's still history. We don't need to. Oh well, she's a girl, so we're going to make it a big deal. Well, no, I don't see y'all making comments when it's whatever. Yeah. And you think about it this way: the one thing that I always remember is there was a one scenario. I was covering an A's game and um, somebody of, of prominence was like, well, what happens when people want to approach you and say, what is your, what are your qualifications as far as like, did you play the game? Mind you, I'm sitting next to Michael Morse. And of course he's got a really great MLB resume, but the two gentlemen to the right of me, I've never heard of them in my life. They certainly as hell could not have a better baseball resume than me as far as playing goes. And if they did, tell me because i've never fucking heard of you (laughs) you would never approach these two dudes and been like hey have you ever even played baseball or do you even like baseball do you even like sports and because a lot of people just think like oh she must have been shoved into like covering sports you know people would kill to have my job like a lot of people not somebody who was forced to do it you know um and mind you i only played baseball to a certain amount whatever but i the reason why is I, i stopped playing when i did was i was told you can't you're not going to make the baseball team. Right. And rather than fight it, I was like, hey, I'll just, you know, try something else. But you can't play professional baseball, especially 10, 20 years ago, and and make a living off of it type of deal. So it was right. kind of like that thing. But, you know, it's 
it's great that all these things are happening, but you know, I, I want the, me being female to be like third in line, you know, like I did all of this without an education. I did all of this without any, my, my parents are not involved in the bigs at all in any capacity. I have no hookups. I do now. I didn't at the beginning. I had to, you know, climb tooth and nail to get it. And even my, the guy who hired me at NBC Sports Bay Area knew I didn't have a strong education. And there were, I had to teach myself how to be a better writer. I'm a good writer. I'm a great one, you know, but you can't mimic what I do. And, and so I, I mean, I host two shows. I'm also an analyst. I also, cover baseball. I'm trying to be an insider. I'm also, you know, covering the other sports and I blog and I'm fun. I create all this content and I want to do all the things that way. Somebody's not like, Oh, well, you know, you can't say that I don't work hard. There's no way in hell you can do that. You can't blame it on, Oh, she's got the looks, whatever. I just got on TV two years ago. So stop saying that my looks are a part of it too. So it's from that dynamic. So it's, it's all these things where, you know, I hear the comments and, and you see me dunk on people. Yep. I, I can't do that forever because that's exhausting, but you also have to put them in their place. And I will never, at the beginning, I was just like, I'd be more rude and personal. And now it's just like a lot of times they're trying to correct me. And, and when really they think they can do their job, my job better than me. And it's like, then do it, go do it. Because I was getting fed up with some of the way that the way that baseball was covered. So I wanted to go out there and change it and embrace the fun and weird and, and kookiness that baseball always has been. I just feel like a lot of the old men who are the demographic forgot about it. So I wanted to change it up. I'm never going to be the demographic of the regular baseball fan. It's not going to happen. So just in that dynamic, but you know, I just wanted to be an equal playing field from a certain point. And I know if Buster Posey retires and he gets um, a commentary job, I think his resume is going to look a little bit better than mine as far as MLB <laughs> playing goes, but I'm just going to cover it differently. And I view it differently. And that's why I've been so successful and I don't take any bullshit either. And I had to teach myself ways and it was never like, oh, I don't have an education. So I'm scared. It's like, well, let me teach myself these things, you know? So it's when it comes to the negative comments, I'm not as annoyed by them anymore right i'd rather take all of them on than have any of the girls i mentor have to deal with them and everything like that but i also don't like women complaining about being a woman in sports that's exhausting like every time you tweet that you hate being a woman in sports a cat loses its tail like it's just like if you're gonna spend your whole day tweeting how tough it is you could be writing an article you can be applying for jobs you can be booking guests you can be sending out emails there's so many things you can do yeah we know it fucking sucks but like let's let's do the work ladies you know now i want to bring it back to how it all started for you right like you talked about your playing days but with being a a family with baseball being a family affair and Sunday family dinners being spent at the snack bar. You did your research. I try to, I try to, I try to, you know, you spend a lot of time at Providence Valley little league, you know, how did your Valley, Valley Providence Valley? Oh, Valley Providence. There we go. All right. Valley Providence little league. How did your love for baseball truly begin? You know, I'm so lucky that I had parents where they wanted me to like do what I wanted to do. Baseball, was a part of our history, but we didn't really talk about it. So I was born in Baltimore. My mom dated a Baltimore Oriole. We don't talk about it, but it's fine. It's fine. We (laughs) won't, not a name that anybody would know, but um, that's, and so my parents started dating. My my dad loved to tell the story of the time that my mom dumped 
a Baltimore Oriole for, for him. him. And um, so as time went on, my little brother, we moved, we, we were born, I was born in Baltimore. We moved to uh, California for a little bit back to Reno or to Reno. And so I, my brother was in first grade and he wanted to play little league. And my parents were like, cool. Like if you want to play, it's cool. And um, I was sitting in the stands one day and they needed a right fielder. And I was like, I'll do it. I was like, just chilling. And and so the moment I threw the ball, I look at my dad who was coaching and my dad was like, oh shit. And I was like, oh shit. Everybody was like, oh shit. Like it was like a whole thing. I mean, obviously I was in fourth grade. So it was like, oh gosh. Um, but I like to exaggerate. I'm a woman. That's what we do. Um, so I was throwing and it was kind of like rookie of the year moment where I like cocked back and threw it. And I was like, Oh, this is dope. Let's go. They put me in right field because, like, obviously, it was my first game, and that's where you put like the shittiest player in Little League. I didn't know that. I was like a pig in shit. I was pumped. So I was loving it. And I got to sign up the next year, and I just kept playing. And I was a really good player. Like, I genuinely was. I think I had like the second best batting average. And I was the only woman to ever, well, girl, to ever make 11, 12 All Stars, which is basically like the, the regular All Stars right. for MLB. And we were just busy. My mom was a part of it. My dad was a coach. He also was like uh, the groundskeeper, and he eventually became the president of Little League. And so it was just our life. It was what we did. We loved the tournament ball and everything like that. And one day it was Little League Day for like the A's, and we randomly got tickets. And naturally, we were in Reno, so we're three hours away. Right. So we drove to an A's game. And you want to talk about God and full circle moments. We arrive, and this was, you know, A's love fans more than they love their team basically right. so we arrived we're supposed to get like two dollar tickets and those tickets were sold out but the tickets people they were like oh well, we'll give you like box seats for two dollars each and my dad was like let's go <laughs> we sit down the moment we sit down eric chavez hits a bomb and i was like who is this guy and weirdly enough there was a brand spanking new planner or not planner typical program. always organized jess but a program and I look, look at the program and it's Eric Chavez. And and the fir- the best part was, is a week before I shifted from first base to third base because I had this arm and I was, I'm still five, nothing, but I was, you know, the tallest person on the team right. when I was five, nothing. And, but everybody else was getting taller and I was staying the same size. So I shifted to third and I was like, that's kind of cool. Like the guy who hit a home run happens to be the third baseman and him and I actually share a birthday. And then I kept looking at the program and I was like, wait, who is this guy? He's from Reno and it's Mark Kotze, who's the outfielder and he happens to live in Reno. And so full circle moment, I cover my first A's game and Eric Chavez is throwing up the first pitch in the opening day game. Mark Kotze was the quality control coach and um, I got to do the Bernie lean with Coco Chris. And unfortunately, it was um, when I covered that opening day game was the last time I ever got to see Tyler Skaggs. But and okay. it was weird because him and I shared a moment and it was just, it was crazy. Um, but I came home after that A's game when I was 12 and I was on the couch and my dad sat in his chair and I like changed the channel because I was like watching the A's game. And he's like, Jess, why did you change, change the channel? I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed, like, but I want to keep watching this team. And he's like, why the fuck would you be embarrassed? Like, that's cool. Like, keep doing it. Cause he was like old school and I didn't want him to be like, girls shouldn't play sports. Like, right. why did I think like my dad was some like old school <laughs> 
house, little house on the prairie. I don't know. And so he was great. And so I, I just told my dad, I was like, I don't know what it is about this team. I need to pay attention to them. And he's like, no, I'm proud of you. Like, go ahead. And then I just remember, I remember that moment so well. And it was Mark Ellis was hitting. I watched him on the television and my dad was sitting here and I was like, there's something about this team. Like, I, I don't know what it is. And that's kind of how my love for baseball was born and time went on and I kind of forgot, but I was like growing up and I didn't think that my sports job was actually going to be a thing when I was like, my dad was like, well, you can like watch Bonnie Bernstein, watch Oprah, see what they do, you know? And that was when women could only be sideline reporters. But as time went on, I was like, sideline reporting is cool, but I just, I don't think I'd be good at it. Cause I see my, my girlfriends doing it. And I was like, they're really good. Like, I, I don't think I could do that. So as time went on, I just kind of created my own type of thing and a monster was born. You created your own niche, which like doesn't happen often. And so that's pretty, pretty cool. And I do have to ask you, I had the, uh, the Eric Chavez note in there in case it came up that the, the, the uh, what did I call it? The birthday sibling. I had it yes. in my notes. If baseball didn't have your heart, what, uh-huh. what sport do you think would have carried that rose for you? I don't know if I can confidently answer that because baseball is the love of my life. Um, but I did kind of have an affinity for like the Phoenix Suns and it was like Steve Nash, Stoudemire, Grant Hill, but it was just like, whatever. And like football was fine. But I mean, my brother tried to play football. I, I was a cheerleader at one point, um, okay. but I had to, I had to quit the, like, not many people know this. I had to quit because I had all-star baseball to do. <laughs> and my cheerleading squad got mad. Cause I like, left the I don't know the stunt and I couldn't perform the stunt at the school assembly. Oh boy. My freshman year. Fuck off. Like whatever. <laughs> it's <laughs> ditch the cheerleaders to play the sports. Yeah, but like I thought that's what girls did. Like I wanted to be girly so bad. And I was okay. Like I looked cute in the in the outfit, but like that was it. I like and I didn't like football at the time. So I was like, this sport sucks. Like, why am I here? But like all my bros that I grew up playing baseball with played football. So I maybe it would be football, but I didn't really even get into football until I was a fantasy football writer for six months. And, you know, now it's, it's different because when working for NBC sports, Barry, you're covering the Raiders and the Niners and you have to pay attention because doesn't even though I cover the A's and Giants in baseball, if I have to write a Jimmy Garoppolo story, I'm going to do it when he does throw 14 interceptions on, on a Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> Mama's got to be the one to write it, you uh, know. <laughs> listen, you talk about being superstitious. You put that out into the into the universe. Maybe he'll get 14 touchdowns on a Wednesday. I oh, don't know. Maybe, maybe it's interesting though because you talk about being writing fantasy football. And your credential for that was auto drafting a team the first time that you did fantasy football, and that was your experience. Told that I told people that, yeah. (laughs) That's that's a hell of a way to to end up writing. And I beat my father and brother, so naturally, like all the rest of the men who play fantasy football, I'm an expert. Expert. Sorry, Field Yates. Sorry, Matthew (laughs) Barry. I beat my dad and my brother. So what do you want? 
That's on it. auto draft actually it's kind of a baller move like on auto draft like that's a little bit brag worthy and also you're lazy as fuck but it's it's, fine. it's, it's like a perfect combination of both yeah it's excellent now yeah. i do want to get into some baseball um and i want to go back maybe about 14 months ago uh to a story that came out i believe it was like november 12th of 2019 mike fires your beloved oakland a's pitcher do very beloved love him goes and talks to the athletic and lets them know that the Houston Astros use technology to steal signs at home plate. Now, obviously, we know what sort of has happened with that. But I want to know from your perspective covering the A's, what was it like to be around the organization, the clubhouse, and even those individual players when that story broke? Um but you mentioned like November 12th and naturally I'm like, I hope I text my brother happy birthday that day. Um, <laughs> this is H. And this is Snaps. And this is your boy Chaps. When you're done with the big old podcast, why don't you go to the fridge, grab one of those nice cold beers, sit down in your favorite chair, kick up your feet and download the Dad Pops podcast. The podcast where dads are being guys, guys are being dudes and dudes are being dads. Just pretended she had technical difficulties. I'm to like, avoid talking wait, what did fires. the Astros do? Okay, now let's look. Well, three, two, one. Here we go. Oh, yes, Mike Byers in the Astros. <laughs> um, so, up front, I was extremely proud of Mike Fires. The only thing that sucked was like, I loved the Astros. I, I really fell in love with them about like a couple years before they had their first World Series run because it reminded me of the A's. They were young, they were scrappy, everything like that. So the clubhouse wasn't that bad, but you have to remember, um, this was all I had access to Mike was media day and um, spring training because then everything closed down. So my, I had the, we're in the first interviews with Mike Fires after it all. I was told not to ask him any Astros questions. Right. And I probably could have been a dick and been like, fuck you, A's, I'm still going to ask him. But I really wanted to develop a good relationship with Mike Fires. I really did. Um, so I, it was for Bok Talk, and it was, our, it was my first interviews for it. And I really remember there was this one guy, I showed a picture of me and Mike being in, like doing the interview. And somebody was like, I really loved your interview with Mike Fires. And I was like, this hasn't been published yet. Like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, well, like, well, was it difficult? So people were fucking stupid about it. Like, you didn't even know if I asked him about any stuff and but that's what my goal was i want to develop a good relationship with him not not to mention like he's thrown two no hitters he took jesus lazardo underneath his wing there was a lot of stuff i could ask him about right but as time went on like let's call let's talk with the elephant in the room whatever and um so spring training was interesting but he was great like it wasn't me who asked him a bunch of the astros questions it was somebody else but um as everything got shut down the Zoom conversations, like, we asked him, like, do you think it'll be weird, like, since you won't have fans, and it will be a little bit less tense and everything like that, but I didn't like how people were giving him death threats, um, I didn't like how people were calling him a coward, um, mind you, I'm a team player myself, like, my boys and the people I work with, I would do anything for them, but if they were to cheat on their spouse... I would call them a piece of shit. Right. Like that's just is what it is. I wouldn't be like, oh, you narked. Like, no, I'd fucking be like, that sucks, dude. You're a piece of shit. Like, it's not like that, you know, type of deal. So um it was, it was a very, it was emotional only because I, I genuinely felt sorry for him. Um, and he's a genuinely good guy. And I not just saying that, um, 
but it was interesting too. And of course, people are always asking, like, did too much time go by um, and everything like that? And he even said he was like, I don't know. Sure. Like, um, will it be weird because there's going to be cardboard cutouts instead of fans booing me? No. But I, w- I was genuinely bummed from a selfish perspective. Like, that would really cool to cover that Astros A's game, um, only from like a witnessing retaliation or what have you. But things went on. You know, and Ramon Laureano ended up getting in a fight anyway, a big yep. brawl. And and people were so stupid about that, too. They were like, oh, well, Ramon, it was like Ramon played for the Astros. Like, he kind of did, but like kind of didn't. And it was yeah. just like Ramon Laureano just happens to be a spicy guy. And and, and it worked out from that perspective. Um, but it was really interesting to be able to see Mike for the first time and then um we had the media day. So it was like all of us, like the scrum got together and, you know, ESPN used my video on sports center. Okay. Okay. You know, just kind of like that. And we were all kind of joking. I was, I was actually shooting the shit with Chris Bassett because Mike was the one to have availability for all of us. And I looked at Chris Bassett. I'm like, what do you think we're going to ask him? What do you think we're going to ask Mike fires? And Chris is like, I have no idea. Like, (laughs) just like, so just kind of one of those things. And it's, I'm not, dumbing it down to it being facetious or anything like that everybody was talking about it but from the very beginning it was a good way for me to be a serious journalist from a I need to tweet and, and report on as many facts as they possibly could um and I've heard from a lot of former players that would go that would play for and against the Astros I've been still stealing signs since I was in little league Part of the game. You bring technology into it, that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that. Like, the Astros always took it to the next level. And that's a direct quote from a giant source who used to play against the Astros. And it there is what it is, and it happened. And um, I can promise you they won't forget. Because um, you think about pitchers. Pitchers have the best mentality and memory of anybody. I think it was handled weird. And there's yeah. certain players in the Astros I can't look at the same, um, but I, I I had to be an unbiased journalist. Um, and obviously, I don't know what the Astros went through. I wasn't there. I do cover the A's and I cover Mike Fires, so I can only give you what I witnessed and what I reported on. So I'm definitely going to have to bring you back for a part two because I know we are a little bit pressed for time and there are a few other questions I want to ask you, but I do want to come back to exactly what you sort of talked about with uh, looking at players a little bit differently and how things were handled. Um, but some quick fire stuff. I'm going to ask you. Um, with, it did you know, go by fast. Wow. <laughs> I know, right? It was, it was crazy. Um, yeah. With roughly six weeks before pitchers and catchers are set to report and a notable amount of high-profile free agents still available, you know, I'd like to look at predict some of the biggest stories in 2021, starting with the length of the season. Do you think we'll get a full season or close to a full season as possible? Or do you think April 1st brings uh, the worst April Fool's Day prank? I think we were going to, we're going to start spring training on time. That's what I'm hearing. It's scheduled, but a lot of that's fluid, you know, Um, and we're working, we're thinking about the vaccine. We're thinking about the CBA is coming up. So I can only tell you what I'm hearing. I'm also hearing um, 162 probably is not feasible, but way more than 60. Right. It's not going to be a 60 game season. Um, I hope not because 
Um, and I feel like it would have been more pressing if the Dodgers didn't win the World Series last year. I'm not right. taking this away from anybody if the Rays or the Marlins or even if the A's won it. I don't know. People might talk some shit about that because it's like, oh, it's a 60-game season. It's like, but the Dodgers did it, so people aren't as pissed off, you know? Right. Um, but I think – and I and I'm, I'm concerned we might have another spring training slash summer camp scenario. Okay. Because you have to think of the quarantining, right? Sure. So we have spring training in Arizona – in Florida, and then they have to go back to their respective hometowns, and then maybe another summer camp happens because there also has to be a quarantine before they travel. Um, and we're still learning about the virus. We're still learning about the vaccine. Apparently, there's another stem coming out because why <laughs> yeah. not? Let's fucking go. <laughs> um, but so from that perspective, but I can confidently say. I believe there will be more than 60 games, but I do not see 162. And that could be a mixture of the delay. But I also don't know if Manfred wants to continue with, let's start shaving off some games. Because a lot of former players said they wouldn't mind 150 games. Like, that's not a huge chunk. But 60 games is not enough. And I I talked to Marcus Simeon in free agency recently, and the guy is now a free agent. And he didn't have enough time to prove that he's worth a nine figure deal you know and you're not going to give him money based on he's a really great guy you know like you can't be like well his baseball (laughs) reference says he's a sweetheart so you know type like that so i think that's it's going to be interesting but i i'm hope and obviously we don't have the players association and the league's going to go so we want the players to be safe we want them to feel comfortable at the end of the day they're playing a game for me to get paid, but I want their families to be safe, want them to be okay with everything. But I think last year is going to set a lot of precedents. And I don't think that the players are going to be too lax about a lot of things. Right. I think only Mark, as Cuban, they should, as they should. I think only Mark Cuban gives nice guy contracts as he gave to JJ Barea knowing that it was his last year and then they waived him like two weeks later. Um, yeah. So Mark Cuban, nice guy. That's um, why I am not going to be a good GM ever because I'd be like, oh my gosh, he like tweeted out the cutest thing of his son. <laughs> Can we just give him a trillion dollars? No. <laughs> a trillion. I love it. All I right. just want to give him a trillion dollars. Like Jessica, he hasn't even been drafted yet, but he, look at his, like, look at his YouTube page. <laughs> He's so sweet. He's so sweet. He said such a funny tweet the other day. Guys, come on. Come on. <laughs> now, which, which playoff team that made the playoffs this year doesn't make it this coming postseason. Reds. And what's okay. I was, I agree with you. I was going to say Cincinnati. Um, and then what non-playoff team makes the playoffs this year? Didn't they all make the playoffs? Really? I felt um, like that. I don't, I, I honestly couldn't tell you cause I don't remember. Um, I'm thinking like a team that was like maybe on the cusp. Did the Mets make the playoffs? No, the Mets did not make then the we'll playoffs. Then we'll go with Mets. All right. I like that. Okay. I, um, I'm not trying to be stupid, but like, Everybody made the playoffs. I think the Mets oh, are actually like, in the top ten for World Series play uh, championship let's fucking odds. Go, dude! Yeah. Um, which rule change from twenty twenty would you like to stick around in twenty twenty one? This is just for me. For you. And it sucks because I wanted the universal DH until I saw the Giants, and I was like, hmm, maybe not. <laughs> um, I didn't really love all of them. I didn't mind the double headers. Did you cover the double headers? I okay. <laughs> From a fantasy perspective, and I'll the oh, only time that's what we worry about. You know what? You know what? <laughs> Let's leave those. I just want to. I want y'all to be happy. Trevor Bauer single handedly won me my fantasy baseball league for the first time. You know, time I love since... Trevor. I don't give a fuck <laughs> because. 
covering double headers was a lot. I loved it. I can cover baseball. I could cover four games in a row and be happy. But by that fourth game, if you yeah. put me on television, it's not going to be pretty. Well, I mean, if you were covering the Reds or I think it was what St. Louis probably had the most double headers because of all the re yeah, the re ups. Yeah. But then I'm, yeah. I mean, I cover the Giants a lot too. So okay. like we would always have like the extra inning games. And before I even went to NBC Sports when I was working for Cut Four, we couldn't be done with our shift until the last game was done. It was right. always a fucking Giants game. And mind you, like I was I was working from home, it was fine. But when you have to work in the studio and like the train is gone and yeah, you don't know how you're getting home, like type of deal. Um I like the expanded playoffs. I didn't okay. hate them. So you just Only shit on you just shit on. Didn't everybody make the playoffs and now you're going back with I, I don't mind it. It's okay. Would you rather me choose between that or your fantasy team doing well? <laughs> I don't know. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, the last one I'll get you out of here with. Uh, the Dodgers, do they repeat? And if not, who are the biggest threats? One team from the AL, one team from the the National League. I think the easier easiest play to call is going to be the, the Padres, right? Um, and... I don't know if I can confidently say they're done bringing okay. anybody else. Um, not because I know th anything necessarily, but um, AL. It's tough to call because like there's still many so so many free agents that are they're gonna sign. I do have a sure. feeling that Trevor will will be with the National League. I just have that feeling. I feel like he's an NL guy. Um, but I really want to see him bat too. So I don't really, we'll see. Um, so NL's Padres, AL. I, I wish I could see the A's. I just don't see it. Um, I mean, this, this is not like a sleeper pick. Like it could be no, like, any, oh, I think the Yankees are going to be really good. No, it's any, any team that you think is the biggest challenge to the Dodgers repeating. Let's just say Yankees only because... It's a safe bet. I safe hate it. Pick. I'm a Red Sox fan, so I absolutely hate that. But well, I can't you want me to say the disagree. Red Sox and no, fucking no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I you was only say, have Uvalde and prayers is what y'all have. <laughs> I don't even know if we have prayers anymore. I think prayers went out the window. I think with, they're yeah. The prayers are gonna suck this year. Like yeah. let's be honest. Um, yeah. but I'm gonna say Yankees only because, like, I was talking to Rachel about it on Corked Up. This was like. I don't know if it was um, the all-star break. There wasn't one. So maybe 20 games in, but I was like, I really hope a team like the Dodgers or the Yankees makes the world series. Um, and depending on how many games it is in 2021, I'm kind of feeling the same vibe, but um, I think there are a lot of teams that still would have done well. Like I feel like the A's would have done really well with that squad if they, for 162 games, but I'm just going to say Padres and Yankees. Cause I'm a little lazy. Fair enough. Uh, last thing, uh, obviously we talked about this before. You were host of the Bach, Bach Talk and the Corked Up Podcast. Where can people find the podcast? Plug your social media. Your time to shine. Um, I don't care if y'all follow me or not, to be honest. <laughs> That's not true. Wait, hold on a second. Okay, I'm going to interject. That's not true because <laughs> on one of the second to last episodes of your podcast, when you were supposed to talk about the Rule 5 draft, you and Rachel got into a little bit of a spat about Twitter followers. followers so 
fucking Rachel. Okay, so let's. Where can people follow you so we can get that tally up? She already did it, so it's she. She surpassed me. We're gonna catch the her. Bitch, We're gonna catch the her. The bitch back got up. on Twitter a year ago. <laughs> I'm just like that's cool. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So follow me on Twitter at Kleinschmidt. JD said more followers than Luba, and on Instagram, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Because I do want ten thousand followers by like mid year. Or in like two months. So I went two months, I went 10,000 followers. Um, And I have a Facebook business page that my mom accidentally always sends me emails on. (laughs) Because she's not a great texter. So she's like, I'll Facebook message you. But she'll sometimes send it to my business page. And they just give you the automatic replies. And she gets so offended. She's like, what do you mean you'll get back to me when you have a chance? And I'm like, mom, like you sent it to my business profile. It's fine. Um, so now you know where I get it from. Um, so that's where you can get all that. Bok Talk, um, NBC Sports Bay Area. Um, and then that's on YouTube. That's on Art19, Spotify, Apple Pods, Corked Up, Spotify, Apple Pods, YouTube. Rachel's very pretty, so they like to watch us a lot on YouTube. Um, all that. And sometimes we like to prank call Trevor Bauer. So you should definitely follow that one. And you got merch now. You got merch just Mm. launched. Girl, we have some good fucking merch, yo. And I didn't know we were making crop tops until I got them in the mail. And I designed a shirt. Rachel designed a shirt. And we're so proud of them. And I really feel like Corked Up is going to kill it this season uh, or this year. Stop talking like a reporter. Um, But I all and and we have a really cool project coming up. we're going to be featured in a really cool article soon. And I Sweet. hope that you pay attention to that because I worked my ass off with corked up. I, I'm kind of taking on a producer role with it too. And like, I I want to know, like, cause Rachel's extremely knowledgeable, but I want people to like be curious, like wonder what the fans would want to know. And I'm taking on that role as a fan. And so that's been really cool. And to know that we're getting really lot, a lot of support and Trevor loves it, of course. And then Taiki and the both co-founders and momentum is blowing up and everything I'm doing with NBC sports has been really fun. And from the bottom of my heart, I'm so appreciative of all the followers and love because it makes my bosses happy, which makes me happy. And I get a paycheck and everything's <laughs> I, cl- I listen, I love Corked Up. It's one of my favorite things to tune into. Obviously, we talked about the fake eyelashes before the podcast and the crop tops. The only thing I will say is if you ever come out with a non-crop top hoodie, because I'm very much a hoodie guy. We are looking into it because we actually care about men. We are feminists, but we're not anti-men. But no, you're right. We. But here's the thing. No offense to y'all. Women are always looking for more women-friendly stuff. So that's why we cater to sure. them first. We will take care of the men. But I do want... I do believe there's one of my best friends who may or may not pitch for the Chicago White Sox who'll be sporting one of our shirts. Well, like it, I it, said. The shirt cuts come in unisex, but we do, we are going to have some more male-friendly stuff. Yeah, I'm cool with the color. Absolutely love the color. Just yeah. not a quarantine did not do the dad bod crop top. Girl, tell me. And I don't mean to say girl, but it's like a habit, but... <laughs> When I was when I was showing off the swag, I was like, I would show it to you, but like I'm sitting down and it looks like a cheeseburger stuffed into a keyhole. Jess, you are amazing. I had so <laughs> much. I don't think I've ever laughed this much on my own podcast. Good, I'm, I'm sure so I'm gonna good. laugh listening to it, but it's it's been an honor. Hopefully, I can have you back on again closer to maybe when baseball's supposed to start. I would love that. And uh, good luck with your virtual date. Thank you. Uh, For Jess Kleinschmidt, I'm Julian Ortiz. 
Please subscribe, follow, available wherever you get your podcast. Have a great night, everybody.